Hello humans, welcome to The Frontline, a leadership and business podcast brought to you by Peregrine Corporate Services, an Isle of Man-based fiduciary provider. My name is Martin Hall and thanks for listening. Today we're joined by Clive of CDP Associates. Thanks for joining us today, Clive. It's a pleasure. As I say to all guests, I appreciate the time because I know everyone's busy at the moment. Uh, first of all, maybe just to set the scene, a bit of background to yourself. Where did you grow up and your sort of schooling years? Yeah, um, Yorkshireman, uh, born in born and raised in Doncaster, um, where I went to school up until until uh, I was eighteen. Um, I went to um, Hawthorne Junior School in a place called Cantley, and then uh, uh, two years at Doncaster Grammar School before my parents moved, and we moved to Don Valley High School, where I did uh, my from third form. I don't, I don't know what the equivalent year nine is it these days. Um, up until sixth form. Um, uh, did a year with Midland Bank and then uh, went on to university, sponsored by them uh, at Loughborough University, doing banking and finance. All right, but, okay. Uh, so whistle stop tour through my uh, <laughs> my education. So was that I say back then, not to be disrespectful, but back then the the, the bank would so you do a bit of trainee work and then they'd send you. Yeah, off. It was, it's actually quite interesting. It was the first first time that uh, Midland Bank, as was actually sponsored. Um, uh, a cohort of students to go to university to do a um, and the banking and finance degree was at, at Loughborough was the first um, we were on the first um, course and so we were very much guinea pigs and um, part of the course uh, if you're sponsored by Midland I say sponsored um, we've got the grand, to- grand total of a hundred pound book grant <laughs> um, so uh, which you were supposed to spend on books, um, and um, uh, and then you did a year uh, leading up to university um, and uh, from school, um, and then uh, I, I had a job in in all the holidays um, through through the time I was at university, and then I went back. Was that job with the bank during that time? Yes, right? yeah, yeah. Right. The minimum they asked for was uh, six weeks during the summer. Okay. Uh, but uh, I actually found it uh, a useful source of income too, and I did every holiday, um, and um, it was good. It was a good way of getting a grounding, actually, almost at uh, a junior level. Um, got to know the staff in the four years I was in Doncaster, so I always felt part of what was going on um, throughout that four years. So it was um, it was good. I enjoyed it. So, Most so- of the time, anyway. <laughs> So that was four years of, hmm. of from leaving school then. Through. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Quite an extended right. And I know yeah. you spent a lot, lot of your career with HSBC. Yeah, I was. Um, as it was. Yeah. 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 Just like Midland, they were um, uh, acquired by HSBC, nineteen ninety two, ninety three, something like that. Now, um, and um, yeah, I uh, did thirty years from joining uh, Doncaster High Street branch in uh, 1974 yeah. and uh, left um, um, yeah, 30 years virtually to the day. So, so it's quite interesting and I think certainly more I guess in modern times that people ha- staying with one company for their for that certainly the bulk of their career is pretty pretty unusual more certainly more so now for yourself back then was was that that banking career or something you wanted to get into and then I suppose once you you know, once you become loyal to a firm, that that was that was important to you. Yeah, I to a certain extent, I stumbled stumbled upon it. Um, I actually my first choice of uh, career was I was going to go into the army, um, 
I went to Welbeck College, which was the, um, or is, the Army's uh, sixth form college for uh, uh, doing sixth form, doing A-levels there. But unfortunately, I sustained quite a bad injury when uh, playing rugby, um, which put the, a bit of a threat in terms of whether I would actually be able to get into Sandhurst. I mean, it, in hindsight, probably would have been okay, but um, I decided that as uh, um, rather than do two years and then uh, see, all, see my friends go off to uh, go off to Sandhurst, I'd go back to my old school and uh, pick up uh, my education back at my old school in Doncaster. And what was the hope in the military? What was the thought process there? To um, I guess I, 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 the, the courses that we're doing pure and applied maths and it, it was a sort of engineering. Actually, my brother went, went followed uh, uh, into Welbeck a couple of years later and he went on for uh, 12 years in the Royal Engineers. So it potentially was something going to be something like that. Um, and um, had no firm plans. Uh, most of the uh, guys from uh, Welbeck going to Remy, uh, Royal Engineers, sort of the technical side of things. Um, and so going back to school and choosing a career in banking was um, somewhat um, somewhat different. As I say, uh, no great planning. Um, I happened to see a an advert in a sixth form magazine that was out saying that uh, Midland was uh, was advertising this this course uh, sponsorship course and um, so I decided that um, it would be useful to be able to pay my way through university uh, with a job before and and the, and the rest of it and uh, so I applied um, got an interview got asked to a second interview and then I think a third Right. third interview so it was all well i've got this far i might as well <laughs> yeah. carry on it was literally like that and then um uh, when i joined midland bank as i say most of the 30 years i was in in the bank i enjoyed it not all of it uh, some jobs better than i enjoyed some jobs more than others yeah so um, did, did the job take you around a lot of the uk then as you kind of yes primarily the uk yeah um and was that career, not career driven, but it'd be oh, an opportunity to move up the ladder. So we need to move the family to X or Y. Yeah, we, we were quite fortunate in, in many ways. I mean, going back to the uh, mid 70s, early 80s, um, the clearing banks were, were expanding at a rate of knots. And so uh, people were being moved up the ladder, moving around the country um, almost every two years. So um, as the a different world now, the... Uh, uh, the other side of the bell curve where jobs are disappearing or being centralised and that, that uh, in those days um, there was a lot of expansion, um, a lot of opportunity. Mm. Um, but I, I was fortunate in the sense that um, uh, I managed to do a number of jobs uh, in each of the places. So we, we only moved about four times, which for a lot of people sounds Sounds a lot, but actually, for a lot of people in banking, they'll say how lucky we were, really. Right. Yeah, right. Um, I had a couple of spells in London, worked in the southeast of England, uh, and worked in Yorkshire, um, and then came over to the Isle of Man in 2001 as uh, head of HSBC on the Isle of Man. Okay. Before maybe we jump into the Isle of Man aspect, mm -hmm. the, the just general question, it's, it's a very broad question, I guess, but I guess banking's moved on such a massive, massive amount since that almost that first day you walked in the walked in the office. What would you say you've seen as the biggest change in all of that? 
Wow, that's a, that's a big question, that. Um, I think it depends what day, day I wake up, I think, and uh, you, know, you just have different views about it. I think there are a number of things that have changed, obviously centralisation, uh, technology. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, in some ways, banks were very slow to take on technology, um, adopted it very quickly and uh, uh, continue to sort of, um, be, I think, tend to be followers rather than, um, than uh, uh, sort of innovative uh, users of technology. But uh, yeah, the technology side of thing probably is the, the, the biggest change. Uh, Personalisation, I think, um, when, when I first joined uh, Midland Bank, I remember not long after I'd started being called into the uh, to the manager's office and being told, like, keep, your, keep, your nose line, uh, keep, keep your nose clean, son, and uh, you've got a job for life. And, yeah. and that really was the, um, the mantra in those days, that yeah. um, the majority of people um, would join whatever clearing bank it was and, uh, and stay. And it's not until the sort of last 20, 20 years or so that that uh, has changed significantly. Yeah. In fact, I really didn't experience working with that many people from, um, from who'd worked in other organisations until I came to the Isle of Man. And, um, um, and then I had staff working with me who'd worked for other banks and worked for other organisations and a, a much higher, high, higher number of people than, uh, than I'd, I'd experienced through a whole sort of 27 years prior to that. I suppose that, I guess that was quite refreshing then, I suppose what you might consider sort of new eyes or clean eyes contributing to the... Yeah, I, I, I think um, it, it, um, it taught me a lot in terms of uh, recognising the importance of um, getting experience. I mean, I was quite fortunate. I did, as I say, I did a whole range of different jobs from... Uh, uh, looking after the corner shop uh, clients and uh, working with some major uh, major corporates when I when I worked in London, so I had a, a quite a, a big um, widespread uh, of experience over over many years. But um, well, along that note, if you don't mind, when mm. you, when you look at communication and dealing with sort of two two ends of the spectrum there, the small corner shop and the big corporate, do you have different styles in regard to the communication there, or is it always just about that that personal I guess personal connection. Yeah, I think it's a personal thing I think um, uh, I wouldn't say you I think uh, I wouldn't say I, I changed um, you can't change your personality that, that's that, that's what it is uh, I, I preferred working in what, what, what's probably called commercial banking as opposed to corporate banking um, I guess they the happiest time in, in, in my career was when uh, when I was dealing with maybe small, um, small listed companies, but primarily family-owned businesses, that um, you felt as though you were actually adding value to to them, as um, you know, in terms of not just providing finance, but actually a sounding board yeah. um, and being somebody they could talk to who was independent to, um, to to the people around them in the company, and, and I enjoyed that side of um, the work I did. Large corporates, met some lovely people, um, some interesting people, some real bores. Um, but um, corporate, the corporate world just didn't, or the corporate banking side of it didn't really oh. sort of grab my, um, uh, I think I couldn't get passionate about it. Yeah. It was a job rather than actually something that I wanted to do. Yeah. 
so, so you mentioned oh one you came to the Isle of Man with the, with the bank. Uh, how you obviously I think it was oh three you left the bank. Oh uh, four, oh four. I did three years. Uh, was that just time? You know, you sort of done your service and it was time to move on. Um, it was a, it was a number of things really. Um, I've often described it as stars aligning into uh, into certain. You know, I've done thirty years. Um, the, there was a potential of going back to the UK. The, the level I was um, was at uh, with with HSBC. There was I could foresee significant job reductions, which actually happened, um, and I was ready for a change. To, to be quite honest, I was uh, I've done thirty years, and um, it was um, I'd always had a, a thought that uh, there was something else. What it was, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I decided, uh, and also we were very happy on the Isle of Man as a family. Um, my two daughters were, um, I think, uh, trying to think how um, how old they were um, about thirteen and thirteen and twelve, um, and. They loved Ramsey. They were at Ramsey Grammar School. Loved it. They loved it. They had good friends. Lovely environment. So we decided as a family we'd like to stay on the Isle of Man. So um, it all came together and um, I decided that if I was ever going to make a change, it was now. And was that when you started up uh, CDP? Yeah, I started up CDP Associates. Um, I had, as I say, no uh, immediate thoughts as to exactly what that would look like. I was very fortunate. Um, I was um, taken on by a couple of clients quite early. Okay. Is that consultancy um, work or any day? Consultancy or? work, yes, yeah. Um, and um, one of which was with uh, Alaman, um, Trust Com- Alaman Insurance Trust Company. Um, and I have, I have a grateful to, to them, and particularly uh, Nigel Wood at that time, who um, gave me an office to operate out of, um, computer to use. Telephone yeah. uh, gave me a base to set myself, get myself established um, in the self uh, self employment world. Um, sort of the transition from um, from uh, in, being in an institution for thirty years. Yeah, uh, to, to work myself. It was tough, actually. Probably the hardest thing um, of moving out of a corporate. Um, into being self-employment was actually getting used to the fact that um, uh, that that routine, if you like, of the it wasn't nine to five, but you, you, you get the gist of what I'm talking about—a yeah. nine to five job of a, of a corporate—and to the flexibility of um, actually being your own boss, running your own time, um, and working around that and. Um, yeah, so it took me probably a number of years before I was really, really comfortable with um, with being seen in the gym at eleven o'clock. If I didn't have um, right. yeah. or went for a swim at eleven o'clock, I'm thinking, what will people think? And yeah. um, I mean, I was still a relatively young man, so um, people, um, I didn't people, want even, people even think that now. I mean, we're yeah. fifteen, maybe fifteen years on from there, and mm. uh, there's still people. Even now, obviously, everyone working from home, there's mm. still that feeling that your employers uh, you need to be here at a certain time when that work-life balance seems to be I'm sure it'll switch a lot more now with what's going on in the world yeah I, I hope that's the case I, I think as I say it took me a long time I was shocked is not the right word but uh, I was surprised um, how institutionalized you are 
as a you know when you were working within a within a large organization that uh, that I cared about you know I, I did 30 years with them you know man and boy and uh, I know that sounds a bit twee but um, no, I was incredibly loyal I mean I also learned that yes give loyalty whilst, whilst you're in the organization but the other side of the coin is is that when you are in the wrong place at the wrong time and the job disappears um, you are no the fact that you've done 30 years um, um, really doesn't count yeah, for yeah. In, a, in a large corporate, which is a shame. But that's you know that's the, that's a reality of life. And yeah, no, it's um, it's an interesting piece of advice because it, it yeah. you're right, it's yeah you can be as loyal, but yeah, this it's a two way street as well, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, just recognise that uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm not one of the person who believes that you should be jumping uh, organisations every two years. I don't think that does you so you, you as an individual um, a lot of good, and I also don't think. Uh, you know, organisations should, should, should um, will start to get suspicious of people yeah. who, who do that. But I also think that um, organisations should recognise that um, if they are not able um, to fulfil the, the needs of, um, uh, of their employees, they've got to expect them to move on. Yeah. And, and I think that's probably more expected now than, than it was uh, when I first started uh, my early career. Yeah. Um, you know, I still have um, a few friends. Uh, I still have a few friends. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> um, that actually, uh, well, one of my closest friends. We actually were roommates at uh, a uni, and uh, he retired from HSBC at the age of sixty-four years ago, uh, just over four years ago, and uh, went back and does three days. So he has remained loyal for, for that whole period, and uh, you know, sort of. Uh, not, uh, I suppose knocking on for well over forty-five years, he uh, yeah, he stayed with the organisation. So um, there are still people who, who do it, and uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know when we've spoken, he's occasionally been a bit envious of the fact that I made a change, but also you, you know he's 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 had a good career. So um, yeah. so if you look back uh, to those days at HFPs, when you come to sort of management and your management style, what was your management style? Um, I, I'd hope to, I'd like to think that I was someone who um, encouraged people to um, develop themselves and f try and fulfil the, 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 their full potential. Um, so you were an empowerer, uh, you might call them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the, probably the best way of um, describe it. Um, but that your style changes when you're when you're under personal stress, when you're under you know pressure from uh, from bo from bosses, uh, you know from your own um, from your own bosses. So um, tried not to be someone who um, um, said do it, you know just do it. And yeah. That was a bit of a, a mantra in HSBC um, with a another another letter in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, quite often uh, that was the case, and um, so I think that you, you develop as a person over, over years. And so my style of management when I was a younger younger person compared to what my style of management would be now, or what it was before I left HSBC, will have been totally t totally yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, so, and well, also depending on the teams that you worked with of course yeah 
I know at the moment you do you do some uh, non-exec roles. How do you uh, obviously? I guess very much an overseeing element. How do you find that? And I guess it must be interesting as well going into other other types of businesses. You mentioned first of all when you left the bank and went into a different industry. Yeah, um, it was <clears throat> one of the, one of the decisions I did make when I left uh, HSBC that um, I did. Um, think that I could add value um, as a non-executive director. Um, I felt that um, I had a varied career, as I say, dealing with, uh, I did internal audit, I did work with large corporates, um, worked with small businesses. So I had a wide, wide range of um, knowledge, um, knew a little bit about a lot of things. Um, so, I've often described it as I was almost a GP within the um, financial world, if you're in the banking world, that um, um, I didn't have the in-depth knowledge that uh, a lot of people do if they stay within a, you know, particularly the friend I was talk you know, talking about a few minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's very, very specialised in what he does. Um, and I would have absolutely really no idea what that was about. But he was an example of somebody I might be able to um, get in contact with if um, if if a client needed that advice yeah. down down that sort of route. So I knew a lot of people. I touched touched you know sort of had uh, experience and, and and met a lot of people in in London outside London. So um, it was a useful. So I just thought that that would be a really good way to um, to add value to businesses. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, I got my first, I did my first non-executive directorship in 2005. Um, and I look back now 15 years later and you think, um, how naive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I, I do know what you mean. I think that's that. It's just gradual, isn't it? Because you yeah. learn, developing every yeah. day, learning every day that you do look back and think, what, what the hell's going on there? <laughs> 10 years yeah. ago. But yeah, and it's quite, quite again, it's nice to hear it. That, that I will, you know, when I look at myself and think further down the road, I'll continue to look back and go, what the hell was I doing there? <laughs> or, yeah, I was naive. I, d I didn't really know. Or, you know, that wasn't but the keys to be able to look back, isn't it? And sort of self-analyze and self-criticize and, and learn. So you're better going forward. And it, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, um, I mean, I did a, um, uh, the Institute of Directors um, um, diploma in uh, company direction. Um, and, and then became a chartered director. So that was, you know, a determination to, uh, to, to have a, an academic and a, more of an understanding around the roles, responsibilities of, uh, of a director. And uh, that's, that's always stood in, in good, good stead, if you like. And also, um, because you need to, you have to do um, uh, professional development, you know, continuous professional development yeah, as part yeah. of it, you know, to keep your uh, qualification. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's a real incentive to keep yourself reasonably up to date with um, uh, developments in the, in the world of corporate governance. Um, and I was also chairman of the local branch of um, the Institute of Directors for four years. So, um, okay. yeah, so um, I'm, a, I'm a, a big advocate of... Um, uh, the use of non-executive directors, and that—that's not a sales pitch. I just think that a lot of businesses miss a trick. I think um, regular, obviously, on the Isle of Man 
uh, regulated businesses are encouraged to have uh, non-executive directors. Um, I think historically, um, a lot of people have been have had non-executive directors because they've had to, rather than what the, what value that uh, they could get out of a non-executive director. And I really do believe that uh, if you if you select the right non-executive director, uh, you can actually add value. They can actually add value to to you as a business. And um, I think some in some ways this current crisis, you know, to have had you know, for a number of businesses that will be at a loss as to what the implications are going to be for them. I'm not saying a non-executive director would have a um, have a solution. But be a almost a shoulder to cry on yeah. someone to um, somebody to bounce who's got no axe to grind, who's got no uh, interior, you know, ulterior motive, just to be able to talk about the things that worry people, the things that concern people. Um, what do you think to the idea I've got for doing this? Um, it's that element of impartiality, isn't it? And that's yeah. not ingrained in the day-to-day business, yeah. but it, so mm. there's less emotion there as well, and therefore. Mm. A cut you'd like to think a calmer head, not that people yeah. aren't calm, but a calmer head. And yeah, it, it goes back, you know, so my early days in, um, in commercial banking, um, when I worked down in the southeast of England, I said I had a relatively, in those days, I was able to have a relatively small portfolio of clients. So um, I was out and about meeting them and, and, and quite often um, be, um, be that type of sounding board. And, you know, somebody would talk about their business plan obviously looking at raising finance primarily. But quite often, um, I'd, I'd be able to sit in a meeting with the, the chief executive, head of the family, main, main shareholder, and they would talk and about their ideas, thoughts, plans, concerns, worries. And I could sit for an hour and virtually say nothing other than just, but actually help that, um, help that uh, businessman or woman uh, tremendously in terms of helping them understand their own thinking yeah and um, so that <clears throat> it was that sort of that that time when I really enjoyed my career that I thought actually um, my background could enable me to uh, in the with, with the right businesses um, be um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, non-executive director and, and I built up a over the years, a, a small portfolio of non-exec directorships, and obviously some come to, you know, they come to a, an end, and it's time to move on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, so, and I was going to say, I, I suppose outside of the work environment, for those watching on YouTube, is there a bit of guitar, is it, and a bit of sport? What 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 fills your space? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've, I've must move that guitar because every time I do one of these things, people see it. I. Uh, I took up the guitar literally um, 18 months ago. Right. Um, at the great age of 63, I decided that um, I've, you know, I've always fancied playing the guitar. My, my younger brother um, played the guitar from the age of about 14 or 15, and, and I've always loved guitar music, um, well, acoustic music um, primarily. Um, from the days of Simon and Garfunkel, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, all those sort of people. I always loved it, listened to it loads. Um, and then, uh, I don't know what it was, I was in London for, for some meetings and uh, I suddenly thought, you know what, 
it's time for me to do something. So um, I decided that I would um, uh, look for somebody on the Isle of Man, uh, a guitar teacher on the Isle yeah, of Man. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so I found a guitar teacher who's a lovely chap um, and teaches in a way that, so I, teachers using music that I knew and grew up with. Um, so, um, so far, yeah, being, I kept going for 18 months. Yeah. Myself to a new guitar a few months, just before the lockdown, actually, which I'm oh, glad right. I did. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it's been, been good fun. Sport-wise, uh, I played primarily cricket, um, uh, rugby, a bit on and off with rugby because of um, the, the injury I talked yeah, about earlier. Um, but um, I, I love watching sport. Um, and um, I was heavily involved for a long time as chairman of the Isle of Man Swimming Association. So uh, swimming is, uh, was the sport I sort of excelled in when I was uh, when I was younger. I took I went back into masters swimming in my late thirties. Did a bit then and um, did, did a bit again um, uh, when I think when I turned sixty. So, right. Right. So <laughs> yeah, still well. Pools are all closed, of course, at the moment. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. swimming is, uh, has always played a big part in my life. Right. And if uh, people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to, to reach out to you, Clive? Um, probably email these days. Um, I did. I used to have a website, but I, I decided that that actually was. Um, I, I don't sort of use it. Yeah. Use it now. So um, so yeah, um, email. Okay. I, we can add that to our. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, and um, I'm always, you know, I, I'm I still. I'm I'm happy just to uh, to talk. I've just uh, a recent example um, through LinkedIn. Somebody reached out to me for somebody moving to the island, uh, just for a bit of um, a bit of advice around who to talk to and that sort of thing. And yeah. um, I was happy to. Um, to talk to people and help if help if I can, and um, uh, my primary um, driver is to help people. And if work comes out of that in due course, that's fine. And that's um, that's a philosophy that actually served me really well over the fifteen years, fifteen sixteen years that uh, uh, I've been working for myself now. That um, yeah. it's surprising actually. Um, uh, if you're if you're patient and I and you're yourself um, and uh, people will work out whether there is anything that I can help them with, and if they can, then um, that's when they will pay for it. If you like, um, yeah, yeah. and I don't mean that they'll pay for it, but you know, that's uh, be prepared. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, and that, that that's the philosophy I use, and I, I will help people if I can, and um, if I can't, I. I've got much better at saying, look, I like what you're doing, but not much I can do to help directly um, and maybe pass them on to somebody in the right know. direction. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I appreciate your time today. It's been fascinating sort of digging into the different aspects yeah. and, 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 the, and the timeline. So I appreciate your time today. Uh, yeah. Thank, thanks, everyone, for listening once again.